Yeah, I want to I want to share something with you because how many of y'all got a chance to watch that national championship basketball game on last Sunday? Was that awesome or what? Um, I told you as a former college athlete, I always I love the analogies that comes from the sports world that tend to marry and can give us a plain picture of how things work in the spiritual world. Um, and, and, and of course, you know uh, LSU won, and there was a lot of. Uh, chatter on Twitter and social media about these two young ladies here. Jay, if you popped it up right quick. And I, I, there's a, uh, how many of y'all remember the John Cena can't see me? <laughs> uh, and there was a lot of chatter. And there was a lot of negativity that was being poured out against this l- young lady on the right. And the young lady on the left, uh, two, uh, Angel Reese on the right and uh, Caitlin Clark on the left, two outstanding women college basketball players. Uh, and, and, and a lot of times people, what I've discovered, people who talk 95% of the time, they don't know what they're talking about. Amen. Talking loud and ain't saying nothing. But, I, but here's the analogy that I'm trying to paint with this because the reaction that came forth was, 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 was full of vitriol and calling all kinds of uh, un-exalting un, 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 uh, names. But because of a common purpose, because of a common bond, those who brought it, got it, came right back at them. And it came right back at them from those who were part of, uh, of, of understanding sports and also particularly understanding uh, what was happening here uh, with this young lady from LSU. So, so listen to me carefully because I'm, I'm trying to give us a picture. In the body of Christ, if we come together on the common ground of Christ Jesus and his blood, when something off goes on, then you who are part of my family should come and protect me just like I would come and protect you. Amen. And here's, here's the beauty of it. It was black and white coming back and said, hey, listen, you don't understand what's happening here. Uh, a little healthy trash, trash talking goes on in sports. Any of y'all play sports before, Nate? Nate, when we're playing basketball, you coming in, if I block your shot, I say, get out of here, Nate. Don't come back in here with that thing stuff, right? Nate say, you ain't never blocked my shot, Pastor. <laughs> but I want you to listen to this article, and, I, and I, I'm going to try to uh, sum, summarize what this guy said. A guy named Josh Beavers, uh, he's in the Big D Sunday afternoon. With the storm front passing on the outside, the LSU Lady Tigers were blowing away the Iowa Hawkeyes on the inside of American Airlines Arena in downtown Dallas. The scene was a national championship game. The score was 102 to 85 in favor of the ladies from, Baton Rouge, from, from the Bayou. The history-making part is this team becomes the first basketball squad, men or women in school history, to win a national title. They also set the record for the most points scored in a title game. Remarkable historic. A moment of pride for a state that finds itself at the bottom of nearly every list you don't want to be at the bottom of. And at the top of every list you don't want to be at the top of. But what should have been a day of celebration was sullied by the social media parasites' obsession with a bit of good old-fashioned trash talk. In short, an LSU player mimicked an Iowa player and the internet lost its mind when a lady in purple pointed to her ring finger and did the can't see uh, deal, indicating there will soon be a big fat ring on a finger. And uh, it says, these internet haters hurled pretty much every insult you could imagine at the LSU player, but said nothing of the other player. I'm not getting into race, but it's, it's impossible not to notice the difference in skin color between the two women. Now, this guy's writing this is Caucasian, right, by the way, okay? It says, it's also impossible to forget Joe Burrow was praised for the same action numerous times throughout the 2019 football season. 
the Heisman winner was called brash and tough and a leader. The LSU player on Sunday, as well as a team, was dubbed a thug. It, it, it irritated me. Now, listen, here, here's what I'm getting at. Anytime somebody comes against what the body of Christ stands for, what God stands for, it should irritate you. And you should say something. You know, you know, when all this stuff happened after 9-11, they say, you see something, say something. If I see hatred, I'm going to say something. If I see racial prejudice with you or you or whoever, I'm going to say something. As your pastor, I'm going to challenge you to do it God's way. Because after all, he died so that you and I could come together into one body. He put Jew and Gentile together into one body to become one flesh under his blood. Can somebody talk to me today? Now watch what he says here. Because here he says, he says, it irritated me. It still does. And for a moment, I didn't realize why I was even aware of the outrage. Things like this are never editorialized by the game broadcasters. That part comes later. And I don't watch later anymore. I stopped watching sports in over a decade ago, probably longer. And I never read sports articles anymore either. So as I grew to be a bit on the other side of the irritated with extremely slanted opinions of experts, I asked, why am I even seeing this? And here's, here's, here's where the analogy comes in, because the devil loves to throw a bomb in the middle of stuff and explode stuff. He says, I unfortunately have a Twitter account because I'm trying to, uh, to sell my novels. He's, a, he's, a, he's an author. Every literary agent tells you that you get your name out there as much as you can, and social media is the quickest and easiest way. I don't like Twitter. I hate it, but it is what it is, a necessary and hopeful temporary uh, thing that I have to endure. But I follow no sports account, so when dozens of tweets about the LSU game showed up in my feed, I knew that I had become victim to what I dubbed the hate algorithm. He says, in short, social media sites know what bothers you. And let me say this right quick, and I'm getting to my message, but all of you who sit up and, and, and go through social media and, and, and about to blow your, a gasket in your head because of what somebody said on social media, do something with yourself. Please. Do something with yourself. Watch this now. He says, um, he says, in short, social media sites know what bothers you, and they put it in your feeds no matter if you want it there or not. It's not a new tactic. Back in the days of print on, on paper, crime news sold more copies. On TV, death and destruction gets more viewers. On the Internet, the hate algorithm ensures you will click on the piece that angers you. Clicks. Hear me carefully. Clicks equals money. Everybody say clicks equals money. Back and forth debate. He says more like childish insults. So equals money. Hate and fear and treating your fellow humans like trash equals money. And money is all that matters in a world that is increasingly divided by the digital walls we built around our online echo chambers. He says I shouldn't have clicked and I shouldn't have commented. Because that's no way, there's no way to change someone's mind on the internet. Let me say it again. There's no way to change anybody's mind on the internet. All right? So why, why did I bring it up? I brought this up, and thank you, Brother Jay. I brought this up because here's what we got to understand. That those people were coming hard against Angel Reese, but guess what happened? The guy from Lafayette. The Cajun from Lafayette and the Cowboy from North Louisiana or, or, the, or the, 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 the guy from Monroe, everybody start pushing back even across this country saying, hey, you don't know what you're talking about. 
And see, that's what has to happen if we're ever going to end the division that happens amongst ethnic groups in the church and outside the church. When you see it, you got to call it. If it's your friend telling unhealthy racist jokes, you got to say something. Oh, y'all don't want to talk to me this morning? The thing I'm trying to get you to understand is, is that why did that happen? Because those LSU folks had common purpose. They had common goal. They wanted to see their team win a national championship. And they knew that Angel Reese was a part of their family. And they weren't going to let anybody come against their family. Here's the interesting thing. One of the guys who I used to play football with against, uh, and I know him personally, and he's moved away from here, but he, he, was, he came out talking about it was classes and whatever. But then after reading the, combat, the, the comebacks from all those who were explaining what this really meant and how it was done over here, nothing was said, and how oh, it's, it's just a healthy competition, enjoy the healthy competition, and let's move forward. After hearing all the pushback, he came back later and apologized. I said, you know what? I opened my big mouth, and I spoke out of turn, and I want to apologize to all of those who are offended by what I said. And see, that's what has to happen in the body of Christ. When I see you in sin, if I see you doing something that's wrong, then as your brother in Christ, I need to come to you and talk to you. Yeah. Can I get a witness? But they did it because they had common purpose. And we got to have common purpose in the body of Christ. And that is that Jesus Christ and his church takes precedent over everything else in your life. Yeah. Can I get a witness? Yeah. Jesus Christ and the blood and what it stands for should trump anything else in your life. Are y'all with me? Now get, get to our text in Ephesians, the third chapter. Glory to God. So watch this, watch this. Ephesians chapter three, verse number one. Who's the writer of this text? Apostle Paul. Who's he writing to? The church at Ephesus, right? He says, when I think of all this, what was all of this? He talked about the fact that Jesus Christ died and out of... Out, so he died so that out of two people groups, he can make one. Okay. So when I think of all this, I, Paul, the prison of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles. Watch this. Assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of sending his grace to the Gentiles. Notice what he says. As I write, as I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. He says this. In the next, uh, as you read what I've written, you, what I've written you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. Next verse, let's read. He says, God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and his prophets. Now let's stop right here for a second. And we're going we're gonna to just dig into this. And in the outline, I gave you uh, a fancy word called dispensation. And you've heard me talk about dispensation before, right? A dispensation, again, the word dis, for dispensation in the Greek is okonomia. Everybody say okonomia. Say it again, say okonomia. This is a Greek lesson, one-on-one. Everybody say okonomia. The Greek word okonomia means a landlord, a one who watches over a house. And it can be defined as an administration. Now, y'all know that in our country, politically speaking, we have different administrations that come on the scene nationally every four years as far as the presidential election is concerned. When a new president is elected, he comes in with a new administration and he usually dismisses many of the previous administration. Are you tracking with me today? See, God works in similar ways from one administration to the other, from dispensation to dispensation. Many things change yet many things remain the same also. Listen to me carefully. How God speaks 
to man changes with the dispensation. But how man approaches God never changes. Give give an example. God, God may approach man directly by walking and talking with him in the Garden of Eden like he did with Adam and Eve. Or he may teach him through angels as he did with Daniel and Ezekiel. Uh, Yet during each time period, man always approached God through faith. Everybody say through faith. Faith is the common thread running through each of the people listed in in, in Hebrews 11 chapter, which we commonly refer to as the wall of faith, the hall of fame of faith, if you will. Uh, uh, and, and so, so in Hebrews 11 and 6 says something I love the quote. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. The person who comes to God must believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of those who do what? Diligently seek him. So God in his dispensation and his, in, in his various ways of interacting with man, he may do it differently because we're in a different dispensation now. But he always requires man to approach him by faith. Even Abraham, when he told him to leave your kinfolk, I'm going to take you to a place that you've never seen, and, and, and I need you to go, and I want you to go by faith, right? He approached him by faith, and the Bible says Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness because he stood in faith. So, so the Bible is divided into seven dispensations or seven administrations, if you will. First of all, we have the, we have the dispensation of innocence. And that dispensation began uh, with the creation of Adam and Eve and lasted until they fell in sin in the Garden of Eden. By the way, that's why Jesus had to come, because man sinned. And God wanted to connect man back to himself. Let me tell you something. God, before the foundation of the world, already had his plan in motion to redeem mankind back unto himself. He had the plan already set to to pour out of himself, to be born into into this world, to to interject himself into human history so he could redeem us back to himself. Man, let me tell you something. It is an awesome feeling to know that the God who created the heavens and earth wants to have a relationship with a dude like me and with a woman like you and with a fellow like you. Isn't it amazing that he loves us so much that he says, I'm going to give my very best so that you can have interaction with me. Oh, I'm, I, don't, I don't know about anybody that's up in here, but I am so thankful for that. You know why I'm thankful for that? Because when I look back over my life, I know I hadn't always been good. Anybody, anybody in this section over here can say, Pastor, I understand what you're saying. I hadn't always did everything right, but I thank God for the blood. Can anybody in this section raise your hand and say, Pastor, I thank God for the blood that washes away my sin. I thank God that he loved me enough to go to the cross of Calvary to die for my sins and to rose from the grave so that I could have a relationship with God. How about in this section over here? Are y'all happy that he died and he rose again? Wonderful, wonderful. So God loves it. So, so he, 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 so innocence went away with sin. Next, we have this, the dispensation of conscience. We're in it ended with the flood in Noah's time. And then we had the dispensation of human government, and it ended with the building of the Tower of Babel. And then we had the, 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 the dispensation of promise, and it began with Abraham and lasted until the activity when God raised up a deliverer for Israel named Moses. Y'all remember Moses? Amen. And then we have the dispensation of law. It was given until the time of the crucifixion of Jesus. And then now, 
we're living under the dispensation of grace, the church age. That's where you and I are living right now, man. It began on the day of Pentecost and will end at the rapture of the church. And then lastly, we have the millennium reign of Jesus Christ. This one day, all this is going to wrap up and we're going to be wrapped out here. But Jesus Christ is coming back with his church to establish a kingdom here on earth. And he'll reign for a thousand years and we'll get to reign with him. Glory be to God. That's the millennial age. So seven dispensations. But pastor, why are you telling us all this? I'm trying to, I'm telling you this because it's important for us to realize that as a part of God's rolling out his plan, the mystery that we're studying here in Ephesians, the third chapter, is very important for us to grasp and to understand. So let's look, in the text, the word mystery comes from the Greek word mysterion, and it refers to the teachings of ancient fraternities, the teachings that are only known to the members of that ancient fraternity. And, 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 and we have fraternities of all types that still exist today. How many of y'all are part of a fraternity or sorority? You got your secret? Anybody? Let me see. Let me see. I see a couple of Kappa brothers over here. Do y'all have a secret handshake? Do y'all have some secret codes? Yeah. <laughs> He's saying no. He said we do. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Any alphas in the house? Uh, I see a couple of alphas. I see one back there. Any, any o- omega? Any sigma news in the house? Jeff, what are you? Kappa C. Kappa C. <laughs> Jeff said, "Oh, I'm shame. I'm shame." <laughs> Watch, watch this. So, so all these fraternities have their, their, their indoctrination process and, they, and, they, and they, you come into that, but, they, but there's, there's code and there's things that, whether you're a, a Freemason or an odd fellow, all those different social organizations, those fraternities that are out there, they have their secrets that are only known by the member. To know the teachings and the beliefs of these organizations, you have to become a member. So the word mystery which dovetails off of those secret fraternities and their secret teachings is used repeatedly in the New Testament. Go with, if you will, to Matthew, the 13th chapter, verse number 10. Matthew 13, verse number 10. Are y'all still with me today? Talking about understanding the mystery. So we see all these dispensations, how God dealt with man, and we're now in the church age, and in the church age, now God reveals something that was hidden, amen, under law. He reveals something that was hidden in the Old Testament. It is the mystery that that he had planned before the foundation of the world. And the apostle Paul now comes in and begins to unpack the mystery so that we can understand that we're all on the same team. So when you attack one of us, you attack all of us. Can I get a witness? Those LSU folks were so hot. They clapped back. They said, no, 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 no. You ain't talking about our girl like that. Can I get a witness? And see, that's what, that's what should happen in the body of Christ. When we, as born-again believers, see something that's going wrong, and when we are being attacked, we should come together. I'm going to tell you something right now. Persecution will drive you to come together. As a matter of fact, the, the, the original apostles got, sort of got stagnant and did not do the things of God and, and begin to go out to the different parts of the world to promote the gospel until persecution came. And sometimes it takes persecution to get our minds right. Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all pray a little bit more when you're going through something? How many of y'all prayer life gets a little bit fervent when your money gets low? How many of you pray a little bit more when your relationship goes sour? See, persecution always, if you really, I mean, 
If you're really locked into this thing, it'll drive you to seek God even more so. Now watch this mystery. Watch this. The word mystery is used repeatedly in the New Testament. Jesus first used it with his disciples in Matthew, the 13th chapter. Look at verse number 10. Are y'all there with me? Come on, let's read together. It says, his disciples came and asked him what? Why do you use parables when you talk to the people? Next verse says what? I stop. You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. KJV says understand the mysteries. The mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But others are not. Why are we, why are we permitted to understand the mysteries? Why are these disciples permitted to understand the mysteries? Because you have been indoctrinated into the family. If you're not a part of the fraternity of God, then you don't get to understand all the things of God. The Bible told you, I told you the other week that there are things that you cannot understand in the scripture except the spirit of God gives you the revelation. You cannot pick this up like a regular textbook and expect to get the revelation knowledge that God has imparted to those who wrote the Holy Scriptures. Man wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and God made sure that whatever was in here was in him that he wanted to be in there. And because someone taught it wrong don't mean that this is wrong. I'm going to say that again. Because someone taught it wrong doesn't mean that the Bible is wrong. All right. Can we keep reading? He says, what does he say? You are permitted. He says, to those, you are, he replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom, heaven, but others are not. Let's keep reading. He says, to those who listen to my teaching. Now, I need y'all to lock in with it. Everybody lock in. Get your eyes on me. Okay. To those who listen to my teaching more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. Those who are listening. Now, how many, how can you tell whether or not somebody's listening to you or not? Well, let me ask this question. Can, all husbands and husbands, can, I, can we talk? I, I'm a husband. I'm a man. I'm a man. Those who, who know the sports analogy know who I'm talking about on my gun. I'm a man. Don't talk to my player. Talk to me. I'm a man. He was only 40 years old, but he was a man. So how many of you men out there have been accused by your spouse of not listening? I need a hand raised. Mine is going up in the air. And I'm saying I am listening. Now here, here's, here's our wives are sometimes, I'm going to say, excuse the analysis, but our wives can sometimes talk in mysteries. They talk in Proverbs. They talk in, no, they talk in parables. You're like, what in the world are you talking? And they expect you to understand the parable. They expect you to understand the mystery without telling you plainly what the mystery is. Because in their minds, if you can't understand the mystery, you don't understand me. Am I right about it? Now, brothers are sitting there like, just, just, just tell me what you want. If you tell me, I'll do it. But just don't. No, no, no. You need to know. I need to know. Why don't you just tell me? But they want us to unpack the mission because they, in their minds, that's, that's helping them that, to understand that we really are trying to understand them. I don't understand it, but I've learned how to adapt. Watch this. To those who listen to my teaching, 
more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, huh? even what little understanding they have, that's going to be taken away from them. Does it feel like your husband getting dumber? I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Brothers, y'all forgive me. Maybe I'm the only one in my wife. Like, have, do you yet not understand? He says, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Watch the next verse. Watch this. She says, that is why I use these parables, for they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. Watch the next verse. He says this. Let's go. He says, this fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. Let, let me tell you something. If you have no intention of doing what God's revealed word says to you, then your ability to understand more of God's word is going to be limited. If you won't do the stuff you already know, why would God give you more stuff to try to learn and unpack when you won't do what you already know? Maybe that's why you don't understand. I, I just can't understand that Bible. Why? Because, because you hadn't did the thing that God told you to do, and you know what he told you to do, but you just, you, you hell-bent on saying, I ain't letting nobody change me. Come on, all of us have been there. All of us got these areas where we say, well, you know what? Yeah, that's good, Pastor. You preach that, preach it, Pastor, but you know what? I ain't. In our mind, we say, right, it's going to be a cold day in Hades before I ever do that. And so what God says here is, when you understand, when you're not listening and, and to listen means to, to not only just hear audibly, but to comprehend and to also make a, a, a conscious decision to do the thing that God reveals to you. When we learn to, there's a, there's a word in the KJV says, hearken unto the, Lord, the voice of the Lord thy God. To hearken means to hear and to do. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, doing what? Deceiving your own selves. Now watch this. This is the field of prophecy of Isaiah. When you hear what I say, you will not understand. Uh, when you see what I do, you will not comprehend. Next verse says what? Let's go. Come on, let's go. It says, for the hearts of the people are hardened and their ears cannot hear. If your heart is hardened, you can't understand the things of God. No matter how hard you try, because your heart is hardened. For the hearts of the people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes so, they, so their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they can't turn to me and let me heal them. Let me say something right quick. For everybody that's in this place today, I want you to know God desires to heal you. God desires to heal you. And everyone in here probably has some measure of hurt or some measure of, of, of discomfort in your life where you need some healing. And God wants to heal you, but, but, but if your heart stays hardened, his ability to heal you is going to be stunted because you won't be able to listen to what he says. He says, and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Look at the next verse. Come on. I, I got it. He says, but blessed are your ears. Those who are part of the fraternity, those who have been born in, you can't join in. You got to be born in all my ex-cosic folks in the house. You can't, you can't, you can't be, you can't join it. You got to be born into the family of God. You got to be born into that fraternity, that body of believers who says, if you attack one of us, you're attacking all of us. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because what? 
they hear. Now he goes on to later to unpack what that parable means that he had just shared with him. But, I, but, but Jesus talked about mystery, the kingdom parables in which Jesus was introducing the church age to, uh, to, to, to come explain the mysteries of the kingdom. So what is the significance of this word mystery in the New Testament? Well, the prophets and the saints of the Old Testament didn't know of the age to come. Their concept of dispensation was that after the Messiah came, that's why they was always asking, Jesus, when the kingdom going to come? Jesus, when you, when you get in your kingdom, Jesus, I want to I sit on your right hand and my brother won't sit on your left hand. Because they were thinking that the next thing on the prophetic time clock was the millennial kingdom. They had been taught that. But the church age, they didn't have a clue about what the church age was, the age of grace that we're living in now. So Paul begins to explain that to them, amen. The concept of the church was a mystery to them. It was unknown to those on the outside looking in, but it is known to the members of the great fraternity known as the church. To know the teaching of the fraternity, you have to become a member. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Can you pop it up for me, Jay, right quick? Romans 10, chapter verse 9 and 10. See, Paul steps in. And as a part of his mandate, he comes to, to, to actually complete the deficiency. When I say deficiency, the word of God is not deficient. It's just that the, 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 the knowing of what the plan of God was for this age of grace was foreign to those under the law. But Jesus came and, and he died and he set the stage for the church age for the two people groups to become one. Jew and Gentile. If you're not a Jew, then every other ethnicity is a Gentile. Two ethnicities as far as God is concerned, Jew or Gentile. All right? So Jesus came to die so that the two can become one. Watch this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God is raising from the dead, you will be saved. Verse number 10 says this, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. KJV says, you believe in your heart and confess your mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. Salvation is yours for the asking. When I talk about salvation, I am not talking about being a member of a church. You can be a member of a church and not be saved. As a matter of fact, I personally believe that's why many of our churches are not effective because we've got too many people who are in the church who know no denominationalism, they know church order, but they don't know Jesus. And see, when you know Jesus, you'll begin to understand the things of God. You'll begin to, to, to understand them in a way that God can use you to advance his kingdom agenda. So Paul completes the deficiency. Go, go with me, if you will, Ephesians, the third chapter. Look down at verse number seven. Verse number seven. The Old Testament writers, all the way through the writing of the four gospels, recorded the word to a certain point. All right? But the Lord gave Paul the responsibility of completing the deficiency, if you will. Now, I did not say, don't go away saying, pastor said the word of God is deficient. No, I didn't. I'm saying that at this point in time that Paul writes this, the understanding of the mystery was not known under the old covenant. But now in the new covenant, under the dispensation of grace, it is now known. It's being unpacked. It's being played out. And Paul called literal hell for saying that Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, was bringing every ethnic group together into one body. And people didn't like it. Jews didn't like it. 
and Gentiles didn't like it. But it was God's truth. And God wants to use that unity amongst the believers to show forth, amen, his plan for mankind. Watch this, and I'm going to go to Matthew, uh, John, excuse me, I'm sorry, go to John 13, 35, just a second, okay? But by, God, by God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by what? Spreading this good news. Go to the KJV, if you will, on that, Brother Jay. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. By whereof, as I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, given to me by the effectual working of his power. Look at verse number eight. Watch this. He says, unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace. Get what grace? The grace of explaining the mystery that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I love that. Verse 9 and 10 says, watch, watch this. It says, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world had been hid in God, who created all things by Christ. You just stop right there. Go to the NLT on that very same verse. Watch this. I know I got you jumping, Jay, but you are, man, you are, you are, man, you are solid. You are strong. And we need some backup for Jay. That's a shameless plug. If you got any type of computer skills and you want to serve the church, we need somebody to back Brother Jay up to give him a Sunday off, okay? Did y'all hear me? Shameless plug. But I'm always recruiting servants. I'm not, I'm not recruiting volunteers because volunteers quit on you in a minute. But a servant will serve. I was chosen. Paul said, I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Next verse, let's go. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the place. We talked about this last week, so I'm not going back over it. All right? God chose Paul to explain the mystery. And, he, and, and, and this next verse, let's go to it right quick. Verse number 11 says what? This was the eternal plan which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. He carried out th- how? 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 Through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's why we're here today celebrating on Resurrection Sunday because he used Jesus Christ to carry out this eternal plan. This plan that he already had from the foundation of the world to redeem us, to bring us all together into one body. Now watch this guys. Go over to Philippians the second chapter. So what is the deficient that need to be completed? The unveiling of the mystery. The mystery is, is best seen in authentic Christian community. Community literally means, literally means common unity. Everybody say common unity. Therefore, a community is a group of people united around a common belief system, set of values, and mission. I read you the article a uh, while ago because I want you to understand that, that those people didn't sit back and, and idly by and let their, their personal part of their fraternity get attacked because they are all pulling for the same purple and gold. And because they were on the same team, because they had a common goal and a common purpose, they said, oh, no, 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 no. See, when somebody comes and tells you something that's against God's word, then what you've been taught, you all say, oh, no, no, no. We're not going there because here's what God's word says. I love that brother. I love that sister, regardless of what they look like on the outside. 
and you judging them based on what they look like on the outside, and that is wrong, Christian. You don't even know. Let me see the hands of all y'all that have been judged by somebody and who thought you were a certain way, and that person didn't even know you. They didn't even know you, and now they've formed an opinion about you based on how you look. Any of any y'all have been accused of being mean before? Now, some of y'all may be mean, but some of y'all, you just, you be thinking about a whole bunch of stuff. You come to church, you be looking like this. People, and, and people don't even know you. Get to know people before you form an opinion about people. There are people that don't know me, but think y'all crazy for coming and listening to me. Right? And some of your family members have probably talked about you for going to that church where that Doll Adams fellow pastor. All right? But you're here because the Holy Spirit led you here. And you're in the place where Holy Ghost told you to go. Can I get one amen? amen. All right. All right. So, so watch this. Watch this. I, I got to move. I got to move. You got to move. Philippians 2 chapter, verse 1 and 2. Watch right quick. Watch this. He says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? This is Paul talking. Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Watch this. Then make me truly happy by agreeing what? Wholeheartedly with each other. Doing what? Loving one another and working together with what? One mind and one purpose. We're going to stay focused on the purpose. We're not going to get... I refuse to allow the body of believers here to get sidetracked with mundane issues. We're about reaching people with the gospel and discipling and training those who are already saved. Point blank. Anything else about what color the building is on the outside? Forget that. We ain't going to argue about that. Well, I thought she had been painted red. Well, I thought she had been painted blue. I'm going to leave the church because you painted it blue, Pastor. Well, (laughs) I hope nobody's that trivial. But people are trivial like that. Churches are split up because they changed the pulpit. Oh, what are those chairs up there? I'm not going to have people sitting behind me sleep. And you're not listening to me watching them sleep behind me while I'm preaching. You know, sometimes we do stuff that, and, and then now, see, in the age of, of, of live streaming, Stuff you do on stage is captured. And you be, you'll be a meme in a heart second, in a, in a heartbeat, all across this country because you sit there doing whatever you're doing and they're catching it on camera. So understand that now, and I have to work on this too, I'm not just preaching to you all here, but I'm preaching to the live stream. Hello, live stream audience. I forgot to acknowledge y'all. Thank y'all for coming and joining us today. Bless God Almighty, you couldn't be here in the service, but you're there online, and we thank God for you. Come back again next Sunday, glory be to God. So now we have to, we have to be mindful of how we do things, because if we want people to, to catch us and tune in, we can't do it jack leg. Y'all know what jack leg means? Or it's a jack leg or jake leg? You know, you know, that means just kind of just not playing, kind of nilly-willy. Just kind of just, you know, you, if you, by the way, in the audience, if, don't stand up on live stream and say something in the article, we can't hear you live stream. You got to think about that. Certain things that we used to do, we don't do anymore, right? We don't, we don't march around and do the offering like we used to. We just 
allow you to pay it online or drop it in the offering containers. We play a video and we move on. Save some time. And, and, and people don't want to watch you walk across the screen. Remember what I told you? Some of y'all used to love that offering time and walking, right? Because you had your new dress, your Easter dress on, and everybody got to see your Easter dress because you marched and put your offering in the container. Hallelujah. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Some things will change for the better. Amen? Then they, what, no, what, I got sidetracked. Let me get back. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. That's Bible. Next verse. Watch this. Watch this. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Some of y'all are, are, are dying a slow death because you're worried about what people think about you. And you're sitting there... Uh, let me say this, all y'all are on social media, social media can be a tool, but it also can be a detriment. And the stuff that you post out there, don't, don't you realize that even when you go to apply for a job, people look you up on social media to see what you've done and what you've been posting. Some of y'all haven't got a job now because people look at you and say, mm, do I want that in my office? And you're wondering why I can't get a job. They read all that crazy stuff you posted. If I'm lying, I'm dying. How, Derek, you're a hiring manager. You, you, y'all look at all that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> he said, he said, he said I, I can't say it, Pastor. I'm not going to say it live. You're live streaming. But I'm going to tell you. He, don't, he, he can't say it, but they look at it. If I'm hiring you, I'm going to look at what you said. All right, let's get back. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of others as yourselves. Wow. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourself. Look at the next verse. Come on, guys. It says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Be concerned about other people, serving, helping other people. Next verse. Let's go. Says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. What attitude did he have? Let's look at it. And this is part of the Resurrection Sunday message. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Next verse, let's read. It says, instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. Watch this verse. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Glory be to God. Next verse, let's read. It says, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. Look at this next verse. Watch this. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Next verse says what? And every tongue declared that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. The same attitude of humility that Jesus had, we should also have. The strength of community is only as strong as the strength of what brings people together. That team brought the LSU family and others together when their player was attacked and they defended their player. What are you coming together on as a church member, as a member of the body of Christ? 
Are you, are you standing for what the word of God teaches? Are you willing to say, listen, I don't care what people are saying. I want to know what the Bible is saying. I want to stand on what God's word says. And I want to be that humble servant who has the same heartbeat that Christ had when he gave up the privileges of deity to come down here to die for you and I. Well, brother pastor, uh, that's good that you said all that. So, so how does that affect me? Well, when the apostle Paul uh, began to, to write this text in the latter part of this chapter here, the third chapter, verses 14 through 21, Paul gave a prayer for empowerment because we are part of the body of Christ. Paul let these believers know that, Hey, listen, you are God's chosen vessel. He loves you and he has empowered you to live a fruitful and productive Christian life. This past, this passage here in the 14th verse down to the end of this chapter is actually uh, the second of two prayers that are recorded in Ephesians. The first one was in the first chapter, verses 15 to 23, where the emphasis is on enlightenment. Everybody say enlightenment. But in this prayer, the emphasis is on empowerment or enablement. See, I can be a part of the family and be a member, but if I don't know what, what I've been empowered with and I don't utilize that, I can still be a member but not be effective because I don't realize what power abides on the inside of me. Verse 14 says, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father. Watch this. The creator of everything in heaven and on earth. Next verse says this. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his what? Spirit. He gives it, he's given an invocation here, y'all. Look at the next verse. Watch this. It says, then Christ will make his home where? In your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will do what? Will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Watch this. Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. How many of y'all know somebody can be in your house but don't feel at home? Have you ever been invited to somebody's house and you were in the house but you didn't feel at home? See, if you ever come to my dinner table, we're going to make you feel at home. We're going to serve you. We're not going to let you wash the dishes. We're not going to let you do anything. We're going to, isn't that right, baby? We're going to serve you. Is Jesus in your heart but does he feel at home? Is he abiding there? Are you really trusting him? Watch this as I close. Next verse. He says this, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Next verse. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully so much, I don't understand why he loved me. But I thank God that he does. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Next verse, 20 and 21. It says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or even think. Let me tell you something. When you learn to trust God, he can do more in and through you than you ever even imagined. Stop limiting what God can do in your life. Stop saying what I can't do and start saying what I can do through Christ Jesus who loves me. He's able to do it. KW says exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Verse 21 and we close it. So we have here, we have the invocation, we have the petition. Paul's praying for strength, depth, apprehension, and fullness here. He says, glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever Amen. We get the benediction. So listen, this is a glorious day. Jesus died to empower us 
to be able to live this Christian life. Does it get hard sometimes? Absolutely does. Do we get frustrated sometimes? Certainly we do. But let me tell you something. I would much rather be walking this life with Jesus in my heart, making his home there, than to live without him. I did life before Christ, and I did it after Christ. After Christ is so much better. So much better. So much more peace. So much more love. Because he abides in my heart, and I trust in him. Let me hit by your back close.